Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food production and food consumption. Hank Vogler saddled up, ready to ride for another day. Last week of September, actually, Hank Vogler. You ready for that? Well, yeah. It's just about like, you know, every person has an expiration date, just like a gallon of milk. And it, and when you get up in the morning and you're still cooking with gas, hey, you're in. One more day. <laughs> Clock don't mean much else. I was just trying to find an analogy for that milk that had expired and dumping it out. You you don't just dump it. You well, feed it to something to make make something else do be, grow better. Well, maybe that's what they did. In the, did you ever hear that movie, Soy Green? <laughs> so, uh, Solent Green? Yeah. Yeah. How many movies are we actually living out these days? Way too many. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I see that the uh, Writers Guild got their initial trade dispute fixed, so maybe they'll get back to more predictive program programming for us so we know what we have to deal with coming up. Wokey dokey. <laughs> Hey, I got to give you a shout yeah. out. So I was uh, Saturday night, had a fantastic meeting in Yankton County, the Lincoln Day dinner for Yankton County's uh, GOP. And several folks said, uh, sure, wish I could meet Hank. I said, well, you're going to probably say that forever. Sure, wish I could meet Hank because he don't ever leave. Need more sheep company. Only took me 50 years to be an overnight success. And I want to enjoy it. I last couple of days been going around looking for stuff I need to do and uh, just silliness. Uh, if you ever think that somebody's discriminated against you, you, you you start without being a conspiracy theorist. You have to you have to see examples of their blatant in your face stuff. Now, I've been trying to get a fence built. Oh, six, eight years, no, no big deal, uh, just to protect the winter range, which is now destroyed, so it doesn't matter, really. Uh, but I finally convinced the Bureau to build a fence. Well, they just couldn't get it in their budget. I said, okay, I'll tell you what, if you'll provide the material, I'll build a fence. It's about six, eight miles of fence. And first of all, it took two years for them to mess around to where they were going to put the fence. <laughs> and then there was a sage hen. They had somebody had found a sage hen 10 miles away. So they had to go around a bunch of country. I mean, just you name it. Mess around, mess around. So I could have done it in the fall or in the late summer when there was sack time. But now there's no slack time last spring when I said we got so many days to build this fence. So I had to spend $24,000 to have a, a professional fence builder come in and do it. And he did a fine job, except for one thing. A legal fence in the state of Nevada is 48 inches high, and the bottom wire is less is 12 inches from the ground. 
Well, guess what? They it's built the fence 38 inches. inches high. Uh, why would they build a 38-inch yeah. high fence? So the horses could trash it. We've had to fix it four times. And I oh, don't mean one or two places. I mean hundreds of yards of it just trashed, tore out. And horse blood. In fact, there's a dead horse right next to the fence. So I assume that it got tangled up in the wire and went down or something or impaled itself on one of the steel posts. But they, 38 inches, I think you can look right over it. Oh, and by the way, uh, over the years, I've participated in cost-sharing programs. And one of the most important things about removing the pinion and juniper, the decadent sagebrush, plant and grass, and all of that to qualify for the cost-sharing, you have to put these little white tabs all the way around on the fence. Well, they didn't bother to do that either. Oh, what are I the mean, white tabs for? It was, well, that's to keep the sage grouse from flying into the fence, I guess. It, it, it alerts them that there's a fence there. <laughs> One day, a bunch of sage chickens got up out of the meadow, which is where they head just as soon as they hatch. And I was moving along on my cat, and here they all started flying right towards me. I thought, oh, boy, we're going to find out. Now, they flew through a... Sheep wire fence flew through it. Never lost a fence. So go ahead and tell me that that wasn't somebody that came up with an idea for whatever reason just to justify their existence. Which, by the way, they're about to all go on vacation. They're just tickled to death, except a couple of them are considered to be uh, uh, important during the shutdown. But the rest of them are all going hunting going camping, going vacationing, going to Vegas, going everywhere in the direction. And they're, they're all going, yeah, baby, yeah, baby, because they get paid. When they start the government back up, they get back pay. So <laughs> It's the most Kaboke asinine thing theater, I've ever imagined. <laughs> I mean, we just need to shut this yes, government sir, down Bob. and not open it back up until like 2030. Actually, 2030, they've got things planned. 2031. Yeah, I'll see you again January 2031, congressmen and senators. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and and they're all as guilty as sin, every one of them. I mean, yeah, oh, well, you, we got to cut this program, but boy, you can't cut mine because I've got yeah. constituents. You know, I, I got that padded deal put in my district 20 years ago and by golly we're not touching it <laughs> yep i know it just needs a total reform but that was my message and if you knew anything about county government hank you would understand that the only way we fix this is to stop the complacency at the county government you got to get off your duff and get involved at the county yes dear Doing my very best. <laughs> oh, that's right. You are White, you know, White Pine County Commissioner. I forgot. <laughs> well, you know, I, I mean, again, uh, without being a conspiracy theorist, you start looking around, you know, in the small towns out here in the West, all agriculture, timber, everything has been replaced by bureaucrats. And so the constituencies, are bureaucrats, and and even to get elected as a non-bureaucrat supporter is pretty amazing, I guess. Uh, 
Well, anyhow, we can't even get them to to do their responsibility again for fencing. It's there's cattle getting out on the highways, but the BLM said no, no. That we dedicated that fence to the county. The county said no, 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 no. Belongs to the mine. The mine says no, no. no. Everybody's ducking for cover, and the cows are becoming dangerous, not only for the gentleman that owns them, but for the general public. Yeah. But yet this is, you know, I mean, it's just, but, but they can get all these programs, uh, uh, government grant, government grant, government grant. Well, okay. Uh, beware of strangers bearing gifts. And the cheapest of all is supposed to be, the administration of all these programs, but nobody wants to talk about, are they cost-effective? Are we spending more money administering these so-called <clears throat> government grants? Or, or, you know, I mean, are we just, the, the county has two people, that's all they do is write grants. It's amazing. Well, I just wanted to say that now, we've, we've talked about this a lot, but I tried to look it up last week. They. They somewhat keep it hidden, but it's pretty clear that nationwide, at minimum, one in four people are now employed by the government at some level, 25%. I, I believe it's actually higher. I can't verify that it's higher. But that includes well, you. It, You're now an employee of the government. Well, don't cut my salary. We need to cut those other guys' salary. I'm talking about that. <laughs> <man, it's, laughs> Ah, spoken like a true farmer in a subsidy program. Hank Vogler checking in from White Pine <laughs> County, Nevada. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more Roll Route after this. When it comes to eating beef, and let's face it, today's beef prices are at the top end of what I think we can make work, to be honest. And if you're going to spend good money for a beef supply, you want to make sure it's continually and always tender. You can make up for some other things. You cannot make up for tenderness. You can affect tenderness by how you cook it. But if you start with something that's tender to begin with, like a Piedmontese piece of beef, then you got a better chance of having a good eating experience. It's that simple. And the Great Plains cattlemen have worked hard at providing a consistently tender product. That's why we use the Piedmontese breed. It's all about the myostatin gene. If you're into genetics, you might study that. No manipulation, just pure, God-given genetics. CPBeef.com. Have it delivered directly to your door. And check out the Smokehouse products as well. Welcome back. Roll Route. Trent Lewis alongside Hank Vogler every Monday, 19 years and counting. You just nailed it, Hank. That is the problem. Every place I go, people talk about, we, we got to stop these subsidies. These subsidies are horrible. But, you know, I can get a subsidy to put in a solar panel on my place. I think I better do that. No, I thought you just said subsidies are horrible. Well, I, somebody's going to take it, so it might as well be me. As long as we continue to do that, we are going to spiral down and vote ourselves into the Bolshevik revolution no different than they did. Not a question about it. it guarantee it. Yeah. And when you say 25% of the people work for the government, I didn't even know the county commission was a paid position. <laughs> it, it is a paid position. But I get it is a paid position. And, you know, I, I guess if you can win the election, 
you get medical too. So if you wanted to transgender or something, I guess you could do that too. I don't know. It's a, Are you considering? You know, like Are you, you considering said, that? Can you get a grant for that? <laughs> Probably. I guarantee you can get a grant for when that. When I was in high school, I, I, I when I was in high school, I you know see some good-looking girl going into the uh, girls' locker room. You know, you could just go. Transgender, transgender, girls are. I don't know. It's just, it's just one more step off the cliff, you know, or closer to the cliff. I, yeah. yeah, but I, again, Hank, I lost you. Uh, you, oh, how'd you do that? Well, I just was sitting Am here minding my own business, and you faded away. Well, that's what happens when you get old, you know. Uh, and they took the subs off wool. Now, wool used to be considered a, and this is true facts, this happened, a strategic material because of the military. And there's even laws that said so much of the wool has to be produced in the United States, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the, the two the two senators from Nevada, Harry Reid and Dick Bryant, uh, led the charge. And they took the subsidy off of wool and honey. I went to the meeting and said, okay, if that's a sacrifice that I have to make as a wool grower, and, and I'm guaranteeing you, we were giving the wool away to the people that were manufacturing into cloth and top and all of those things. It, the, the prices were terrible, but the subsidy on white face wool was some sort of formula of inversion and you hit a home run the check came right about the time you were shearing i mean it was it was a program set up to keep everybody calm so i said okay you're going to take it you you're going to get it off of wool and you're going to get it off of honey what about wheat corn tobacco how about all these other agricultural products that are uh being subsidized in game set match i mean they just they threw me out of the meeting basically and mr bryant's man followed me down the hall yelling at me <laughs> we were friends you know the he's the guy that after i bet it, dick bryant senator dick bryant that there were more people who worked for the blm in the state of nevada than the people that held permits he took the bet and part of the bet was if I won, Tom Baker had to deliver it to my door. And about six months later, somebody's banging on the old tar paper shack. And I went, there he stood with a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> and I said, come on in, I'll pour you a drink, Tom. And he's <laughs> kind of some, one of those expletive deletives that you're not supposed to use. Yeah. <laughs> and stomped off. Uh, so what so, year are we talking about, Hank, that the wool subsidy came off? Because I think there's probably an education in this. I want to go dig into it. There, I think it was in the 1990. Dick Bryant went out of business much after that. And, and, and I think at that time, Harry was a junior senator. Hmm. So it's been off for a long time. It was back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And, and again... Yours truly made the decision. They said, forget the wool, go for the crossbred lamb. Well, I can't raise a market-ready lamb. I guess, well, a crossbred lamb, uh, and maybe it's just me, they look 
if they don't have we don't get our August monsoons, they seem like they kind of quit gaining. Where and and if we're going to have a sheep industry uh, in the West, you need white face ewes to uh, create you know and a, and a Suffolk ram, but to herd the sheep. You need the white faces. So I went the opposite direction that all the experts told me to go. But I will admit, we now get 40 cents for ungraded wool. Uh, don't know who threw that program in, but uh, that's a pretty good little chunk. You know, uh, we're all coming over to your house when they when the revolution starts. So and yeah, if they want to take it away. Okay, it took out about 10% of the wool growers in the United States when they took the subsidy off of wool. Well, wasn't the, um, the, the oil industry is where the culprit is there? Because at the time that they're taking the wool subsidy away, petroleum, or that probably happened before, before the 90s, but petroleum had really seized so much of the textile market well not textiles but the the clothing market through polyester there's got to well, be a parallel and, and, and the subsidy just switched it. they didn't get rid of the subsidy in the oil business they just shifted it from the wool growers to the oil industry well and you know the when the argentinians put the uh missile into the United Kingdom uh, ship, most of those guys died from the synthetics getting hot enough that they melted to, right. the, to the sailors' bodies and killed them. So wool does have a value. The one that always gets me is it's, it's the so-called environmentalists who just jump up and down and throw fits about sheep this, sheep that being on the public domain, but yet it's a natural fiber. Uh, the animal does not perish. It's not like eating lamb. It, it's something that's a renewable natural resource. And the animals use a lot of plants that nothing else does. It keeps fire down. So the uh, ashes from a fire don't wash into the creek and then make the salmon's gills fill up with trash like so-called logging did. I mean, all of this stuff, you would think the environmentalists would be just uh, hugging us to death. Uh, the amount of chemicals it takes to produce wool is practically zero, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But, oh, boy, they, they, you, you bring it up at a meeting and you'd think you threw a dead skunk on the table. So Yeah, I mean, I just have such an appreciation for the sheep sector, period, from not only the fiber standpoint and the wool, the, the lamb. And so we butchered a lamb last night, and this is a black-faced lamb. It's not a a wool breed in any way, shape or form, but it takes, it takes no time to butcher a lamb properly. Hank, it's a, about half the time of a pig, to be honest, if you're skinning the pig or pulling the hide of a, a lamb, it's, but who knows even how to do that anymore? Yeah. Well, and every farm years ago had a little bunch of sheep because if you butchered a steer, you had to, sell half of it to the neighbors or share it around because or, or salt turn it into salted beef or you had to do some further processing because they didn't have refrigeration 
so they had lambs. You could consume a lamb pretty pretty rapidly. Even the mining camps everywhere, they used it because and and pigs too, because they could butcher them and consume them before they spoiled. Right. And why do you think they made sausage? Why do you think they smoked pork, prosciutto, all the things that they did with animals was because lack of refrigeration. So. Which leads me into my lard discussion, but we will have to take that in the second half because we've exceeded our time right here, right now. More Roll Out, Hank Vogler, just ahead. Let's revisit the Across the Pond Regaining Control for the Farmer Tour. It is occurring one four weeks from today. We start in Quincy, Illinois on October the 22nd. Then we make our way to Avion, Avalon, excuse me, Avalon, uh, Wisconsin. TJ Tolls Dairy. That'll be on Monday evening, the 23rd. And then on the 24th, it's Key Largo. Our mind is all about Slayton, Minnesota. Key Largo on the 24th. The 25th, Brown County Fairgrounds. Aberdeen, South Dakota. 26th, McKenzie, North Dakota. The Blackleg Ranch. 27th of October will be Friday night. Red Shirt Friday will be in Broken Bow, Nebraska. We have big plans. Now we're going to have a full-fledged rodeo. We got it put together yesterday. Going to have three competitions. Mutton busting, everybody's favorite. Women's bronc riding and professional male bronc riding. So, women and men bronc riding, that's occurring at the Across the Pond Tour, Broken Bow, Nebraska. Then the last stop, 11 to 2, from 11 to 2 on Saturday, October 28th, Brush, Colorado at High Plains Cattle Supply. Each event is all about bringing two guys from the UK to the USA and find out how we can tackle the challenges going forward. Full details about those stops and your input at loosetailsmedia.com. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Loose alongside Hank Vogler. Did you see that picture of my father-in-law, Hank, during the break? That is very cool. That is, that's what it is all about, is spending every waking moment that you have on your side or your life and enjoying yourself. That man is enjoying himself. He's tickled to be a live human being on the earth. Yes, sir. That's yep. what we should all be striving for. He's been butchering since he's 10, and I can't imagine how many thousands of animals he's butchered in his life. And he never, well, he did do some of it in a little butcher shop, but most of the time, you know, there'd be a cow, Eldon, I got a bull with a broke leg out in the pasture. You think we can get out there and butcher him out there? Yeah, we'll do it. Just wherever, whenever. I'll have you know, I'll have you know that when the chicken butchering come along in the fall, I moved up from plucking to chopping the heads off. And that, to me, quite a move forward. So, anyhow, (laughs) my sisters, we we have these big wash tubs full of hot water. Grandma would be checking everybody's work and, and. We'd take them into the house, and of course, when they butchered the hens, they'd have an egg clutch in them. So we got that, and we'd have egg clutch and and uh, chicken feet for dinner. With we called them Chinese noodles because we had noodles and onions and garlic and and uh, things like that. And 
but uh, after butchering two or three hundred chickens, sometimes having uh, egg clutch and chicken feet for dinner wasn't exactly what you had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a point where the aroma just isn't appealing to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then when I got started in the sheep business, I used to butcher twenty lambs every Sunday, and then uh, sell them to the people in Burns, Oregon. So that was that was my hot lick. You were ahead of your time. That's where we're going back to. Going to have to, you know. Well, that goes right along with my new program, teaching people how to nap arrowheads and make longbows and live in caves. <laughs> and I, I still have a few openings, ladies and gentlemen, a few openings in my <laughs> seminar on uh, how to get your wife to chew hides. That'll be a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> what what's how long does that take that seminar <laughs> well usually when all the ladies get set down and you pull out an old deer hide you know and, and it's getting a little ripe and you <laughs> say now all right now you got to get some ash and you rub some ash into it and then chew on it because your saliva will kind of soften it up they all have an excuse on their cell phone they have to leave i don't know what the heck that's all about <laughs> They better the, get on now. Here. I now understand something that I I never really questioned, but now I have an answer to a question I didn't have. Why is it that your seventh wife is actually the one that just is is the one been the best fit for you? You finally found a Chinese wife who's you know the China China uh, influence is more uh, complacent and go along with whatever the husband wants. That that's what you have in way, huh? You can get her to chew hides. Uh, you, you've met Way, and do you think that she listens to me? Uh, you know, she sold that house down in Las Vegas, and I said, "Hey, I'm the one that got the interest rate down to two point six five. How about a little commission?" And suddenly, that woman could not speak one word of English. Can you believe that? <laughs> I know, understand. I know, understand. Baloney, mushu baudo. Mushu Baudo means uh, male bovine fecal matter in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I need to learn yeah. that. I need to learn that term so I can use it on air without being in trouble. <laughs> okay. Mushu Baudo. Mushu Baudo. Okay. Actually, yeah. I can visualize that one. <laughs> Mushu Baudo. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Speaking of, speaking of the Chinese, there's two points I'd like to make. Not just because I'm married to Wei, but it's been an education. And they say when you get older to stave off Alzheimer's, if you learn a new language or uh, other things like that, it'll stimulate your brain. And after 10 years with Wei, I'm up five days on my Alzheimer's, putting it off. So I'm, I'm doing good. <laughs> but, <laughs> you do know in in my mind in my you know in this and this and i gotta raise my rates this and a dollar will get you coffee anywhere but starbucks the chinese people are getting the heck out of there yes i'm sure there's some spies tucked in there heck i bet mexico's got spies Liechtenstein's got spies. but the people are getting out of china there's a lot of chinese people here already newsflash and they've done very well they've done practically better than any of the uh, late immigrants to this country and they have embraced capitalism 
and they're doing very well. So <laughs> even old Pingy Dingy, he might say, I want you to go there and spy on the sheep industry way. Well, she's the head of the game now, but she's not going home. And so will a bunch. I mean, these people are coming over here for the American dream and they're sacrificing and doing everything they can from a lot of countries. And he is in trouble. His country is in trouble. It's not working. They're not importing as much food from the United States. There's lots of things that are changing over there. So he's whipping up nationalism. He wants to go whip the Taiwanese who produce 80% of the chips in the world. Now, you don't think a couple of those factories might get damaged? Mm-hmm. I mean, that'll grind his economy completely to a what? This is this is this is another kabuki theater. It's just like the government shutdown. It's just these people are shuffling the chairs on the Titanic, the deck chairs. It's nuts. Okay, I quit. Yeah, if you can't see this uh, collapse of the financial system out in the United States, but the world coming, you're not. You're simply not paying attention. How severe and how quick? Those are the two questions. Yeah. And by the way, now that I'm a highly paid bureaucrat, do we have time for me in this segment to yep. explain to you? Okay. When you, and there are, we need a strong military. We don't need a woke military. Military is supposed to break stuff and make the people of the other country that you're having to break stuff in that they don't want to fight no more. And, and uh, just like uh, Chief Joseph said, I will fight no more forever. And he was, what, 20 miles from Canada. Okay, same thing. You got to make people not want to fight. So you need a strong military. You need a strong currency. You need a, a government, one person, one group of people doing international business, international uh, secretaries of state or whatever. You need those things. But the average person that works for the government, if it's 25%, I'm going to do cowboy math. And of course, cowboy math, pardon the pun, they tend to round up. So anyhow, I'm going to say 300 million people. If 25% of the people work for the government, that's about 75 million. Well, 75 million, if you take for that industry, because it is become an industry. It yeah, isn't all the small towns in the West. So 5% of the people in this community, five people in this community are supporting those people that are working for the government, mm-hmm. even though it's their own, you know, it's the, the tax money, they get part of it back. But you, so you throw another five times 75 million, you've got a slug of people that are totally 100% dependent on the trickle-down theory from the government. And to stop that train, you cannot jam on the brakes. We have gone so far down the road. We just got to have a commitment to tap on the brakes, tap on the brakes year after year after year and get them, get the United States back into private hands. There's where the innovation comes from. There's where the wealth comes from. Etc. Etc. And we have forgot that, or lost that, or don't want to be bothered with that. Okay, I quit. Okay, so <laughs> let me just take that one step farther because I think that uh, you have a better analogy. First time I pulled a 
a pickup and trailer loaded with horses and a chuck wagon over the uh, the Bighorn Mountains. And I came down the mountains. I had no idea how to drive. I tapped on the brakes. And pretty quick, I had no brakes. And now everybody who knows how to drive in the mountains knows that you gear down and you allow the engine to be your brake. We keep tapping on the brakes. We're going to have no brakes. We need to gear down and let the engine be the brake. Well, a combination of both. And, and I wish you'd come explain that to my crew because when they quit making the standard transmission pickups, as soon as that engine starts to rev when they're pulling the sheep camp down or pushing one down the hill, they, they, they ride the brakes. That's yeah. the difference between tapping on the brakes yeah, you got all the above. You got to gear down. That's the spending. But you got to. You cannot say, okay, tomorrow we're going to lay off half of the people that work for the government. Well, that's a lot of people that will no longer be going to buy pork, beef, lamb, or whatever. Or they're going to cut back on what they do. Uh, they're going to put other people. Uh, out of business look at all the cars that the government buys they won't be buying so you it, to me you got we've gone so far down the road you and i've been screaming for years and years and years we got to do something and nobody's done one darn thing democrat republican independent anybody they just correct i'm gonna do something oh well we, we can kick that can right down the road. roll route more can kicking after this Let's talk about fighting the world of trying to keep a, affordable electric. Coal is an abundant resource that we have in the United States. Only 800 years worth of coal left. It's affordable, it's reliable, and it continues to burn and create electricity. The naysayers want you to believe that it's somehow destroying the environment. There's no documentation to that. In fact, recent documentation says that this nonsense of trying to do carbon capture is the real lie. The information that we need is all contained on the website of Lignite.com. If we want to continue to have a fighting chance, we need to maintain our coal business. I'm just telling you straight up. It's that simple. Reliability of energy relies on coal. Lignite.com. And while I still have a moment, reminding you that we will be in Denver with bells on January 6th through the 21st. It's happening, the National Western 2024. I'm excited about this because we're going to get back to some of the basic old concepts of celebrating camaraderie, celebrating the utilization and management of resources. And we're going to do it in big time color with a lot of history and heritage nationalwestern.com see in denver welcome back hank vogler there's no chance way listens to this right that i'm she's going to hear me say that she's just so chinese complacent and then next time she cooks for me i'll have something else in there i don't like beyond seaweed <laughs> With uh, my best experience with making lots of mistakes with women, <laughs> and <laughs> I've learned to eat my seaweed and shut up. <laughs> my my favorite fellow to quote is uh, Winston Churchill. Uh, I, I 
think he was uh, he was a for his day and time uh he did his best for a situation that was quite critical and he cheered the people along but one of his quotes were and i can't do it totally but i i can get the gist of it diplomacy and i'm talking about diplomacy with my chinese wife diplomacy is <clears throat> so gently getting your point across telling someone to that you don't, don't like what's going on that uh they ask you directions of how to get out of it and that's about <laughs> it I, don't, I finally learned that that's my learning curve boys and girls that's it that's the only thing i've learned over the years is you eat your seaweed and shut up oh there are many places to go with that one but you know i think in the interest of everybody we didn't leave it go are you gonna come and join us in brush colorado for this big event on october 28th you can fly into denver we'll pick you up at the airport get you to brush meet andrew henderson from the uk talk about sheep talk about employment talk about fuel and then you can go right back to need more sheep company. Wouldn't even have to be more than a weekend. 11 to, tw- 11 to 2 on Saturday, October 28th. What do you think? My anniversary with this Chinese lady is on the 27th. Perfect. Take You tell her you're taking her to Colorado for her anniversary. Oh, well, that'll thrill her to go to, you know, I took her to the Cattlemen's Convention one time. And I said, what do you think, hon? You want to go next year? Talk a talk a talk a lot of Mushu Baldo. I'll bring it up. I she's coming. I'm gonna go get her uh, this week because we're shipping lambs and uh the cow counter, the sheep counter. My friend and his wife will be here, and maybe the buyer will be here. So she's going to come and hopefully cook some seaweed for everybody. Hopefully. But anyhow. I'll be right over. Yeah. Hey, uh, are yeah. you selling those lambs right off of the mamas, or what are you doing this year? Well, the price is almost double of what it was last year. And with the freight rate to California and everything like that, I uh, I got offered a very nice price for them. And so I sold the weather lambs. So we got we got uh, three thousand weather lambs that I sold, and the rest of them we'll probably send to California. The I thought you weren't sending anything to California this year. Well, I'm not sending three thousand weathers, which would cut down the price quite a bit. But I'm kind of got a few people uh, interested in those you lambs all the time mm-hmm. and growing them out has has been even last year when things were so terrible i got a very good price for them because same thing price goes up everybody wants to go into business they hold back their ewe lambs and and then the price goes down and then they let their ewes get old and when they get old well then they need to replace them because like for service you got to put out 90 percent every so many years or or they cut your permit so they're just all kinds of nuances to keep the bands together uh takes the same labor to take care of a, a thousand head of use in a band as it does 800 and so it's just the ebb and flow has kind of worked in my favor of selling my few lambs and now with the fact that uh 
their wool is worth about two and a half times what some of the coarser white face wool is. Uh, it's kind of perked up their ears, and then they breed them to a crossbred, so they get a big lamb anyhow. Well, first of all, we should classify what you consider crossbreds. Anything with a black face you think is a crossbred, right? Well, not necessarily, no. Uh, some of the some of the breeding in some of the areas, and it, it, it's don't reinvent the wheel. Don't bring me any Belgian blues out here to dump out on this desert. They won't come back. They'll die. Uh, you need a medium-framed animal for this mm -hmm. desert. And over the years, everybody went big, 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 and they kind of did the, in the sheep industry. They had big, fairly coarse wooled sheep uh, that were grass eaters. And some people have tried to bring those down here thinking that the desert is a cheaper place to run them in the wintertime. Well, 180, 220-pound ewes generally don't go home. But there's crossbreeding there. There's Rambolets. A lot of them put a little fin sheep in there or polypaste to get their twinning rates up, things like that. Uh, but they're they're actually crossbred. Mine's a crossbred. Mine's a Doni Merino, which is considered a crossbred because Donies have their own breed. They came out of South Africa. So I don't know. Well, They're just a little finer wool, medium frame sheep. I want work on this desert. I want 10 ewes. And I'm thinking okay. that if we could sneak in 10 ewe lambs and I could hide them somewhere here for like a couple of months, then I can maybe, you know, keep them. Because we got this debate going where it's time to get back into goats, but I want sheep, not goats. And I, want, I need you to help me do this. And somehow we can sneak in 10 ewe lambs and get this started. Okay. Not a problem. <laughs> Send a truck. <laughs> I, I'm I not... remember the day that Jiggs Barnes uh, brought his shearing tools by that he got from uh, Lloyd Hill, who was a gun shearer, and uh, for a hundred bucks, and I learned how to shear. He seemed quite happy to 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 give me those shearing tools. Still got them, and and the hanger and everything. So. Uh, <laughs> yes sir bob well see the whole problem i have with that and kelly's discussion is that she's not anti-sheep she's anti-shearing and she thinks that if we could have goats we can eat stuff that the sheep eat and we won't have to shear them well i want the wool i want her to be, get back into spinning i was at the frederick fair last week and i i could videoed these two women spinning wool and it's this time we get back to making our own clothes she doesn't seem to be compliant with that uh, well did you mention we still have openings in the uh, how to chew hides <laughs> at, at my seminar <laughs> maybe she you know i mean i'll bring go, it up go, i'll bring it up right. today at noon and see how it goes Go to the lowest common denominator, and then you can work up. Spinning wool will look like a pretty easy deal. <laughs> yeah. So, your yeah. your uh, cousins in the American Indian community, they had that all figured out. The guys that go out hunting and the women would flesh out the hides and do all the work. Yeah. And and a white man came along and thought he could make a better deal. Are you kidding me? They've been hunting and fishing. Why? 
Yeah, how'd that work <laughs> out for you? <laughs> yeah, this wasn't very smart of them, but anyhow, that yeah. And they also know about uh, illegal immigration. You know, I mean, if they if they just uh, drew a line in the sand to begin with, but they didn't. They yeah. They uh, well, the Iron Age was in Europe, and uh, there was lots of things that the Native Americans, along with the fact that they had guns to go beat up on the people they didn't like. So, yeah, they made all sorts of uh, uh, promises both ways at the, the beginning, and then it kind of went south on them. So, you know yeah. what? I never <laughs> thought about the context that you just brought up there, but think about that. When when the Europeans came in and, and were taking land away from American Indians, the Indians were still fighting each other and kind of until it got to be too late, didn't pay attention to what was happening otherwise. But they kept kept fighting the tribes like they'd always fought throughout generations. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting they scenario. Lined up on the East Coast or wherever the uh, Europeans started landing and, and, and united, you know. I mean, <laughs> I hate to say it, but... Uh, the, Adolf Hitler united the German people that they were as good as they could be in, in the worst times that they were having. Uh, Stalin, Trotsky, all of those guys came along when the Russian peasants were pushed down pretty low and there was a very small hierarchy. Uh, in India, the Indians were pushed down and Gandhi came along. Uh, I mean, it just read history. You can find the parallels. Ching Jinping right now is not as popular. Ten years ago, my wife had nothing to say. Her senior officer, when she was in the armed services, is Ching Jinping's wife. I said, "Hey, why don't we get in the line with Hunter Biden? For God's sakes, you know, maybe we get some kickback." But no, they now are disgusted, and people are more and more disgusted. So what's he doing? Whipping up nationalism. We got to protect ourselves. These Americans want to destroy us. No, we want to trade with you. We want to sell you stuff, but you sell us more. I mean, it's just, there is so much crap out there. It's very hard to sort the wheat from the from the chaff. Speaking of um, Hitler, Chris Patton, I just met this weekend at that Yankton County meeting I talked to you about. He's been around the world as an archaeologist. He's taught classes, um, very astute in history. And he said something I hadn't thought about. And the minute he said it, I'm like, oh, my goodness, absolutely. He said what the U.S. government and would ultimately be world, but what the U.S. government accomplished in complacency and compliance in one year in the name of COVID, it took Hitler five years to do in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Munich Putsch, I think they called it. That was like in. Uh, 1934 or something like that, right. or 32, when they put him in under house arrest. Yeah, yeah, that'll do. And it. his drum beat was, "Is we're the best." We're the best. Hmm. Why does that sound familiar? We've successfully journeyed down the path, connecting food producers to food consumers. For Hank Bogart, I'm Trent Loose. Both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a roll route with some lamb chops. Well, I'll take this last opportunity I have today to remind you that when it comes to reliability of maintaining pests in your fields, Apache Sprayer technology gets it done 
and has a service program to back it up like nobody else. Reliability, technology, and service. It's a three-legged stool, and you find it at Simpson Farm Enterprises or High Plains Apache. Start on the web by going to simpsonfarm.com. That's simpsonfarm.com for Apache sprayer technology. 